Isn't that amazing that God would know us and even call us by name? I would think that he could care less about me, but he doesn't. He cares so much that he sent his only begotten son, and he cares for you in the same way. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're in Galatians chapter 4. We've been looking through the epistle of Galatians for several weeks now. And it's really a, a book where Paul is just writing and pouring out his heart to the churches that he had helped found in the region of Galatia. And so uh, this is a region. It's not a specific church. It's many churches in a region. Just like here in Lake County, we have, you know, hundreds of churches in Lake County. And it would be as if Paul was writing to all of the churches of Lake County. He had heard something that was going on uh, within the churches. And there was this thing early on. It didn't take long after the, the birth of the church, after Christ ascended into heaven. It really didn't take long for um, Judaizers, Jewish believers in Jesus Christ, coming behind the apostles and the missionaries and preaching that in order to really be saved, you have to also be circumcised and keep the law or keep the Ten Commandments. And uh, Paul is just writing uh, this letter, really a theme, one of the themes, I believe the theme of the epistle itself is that of liberty, the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, that you don't have to be held under the bondage of the law. And he'll use that word bondage in our text today. Verses four and five, I love these verses, but he says, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. What we do know from according to the word of God, that we have 6,000 years of recorded history from Genesis um, up till now, right around 6,000 years of recorded history. And and you can't go outside of that in any uh, society We still have right around 6,000 years of recorded history. They say that man has been on the earth much longer, but there's been no defined proof of that from any written text that's been discovered. And so from the fullness of time, and we could say it this way, for 4,000 years of history of the earth that we know according to the word of God, in the fullness of time, Christ came 
2,000 years ago. We're looking back at the event now, but there was 4,000 years of, of history where God said, this is time. Jesus Christ is coming. This is the time. This is the fullness of, of time. The law was given right around 2,000 years, and Jesus came right around 4,000 years. But Jesus said, in other words, in God's perfect timing, Jesus Christ came. It was God who sent forth his son. And I love this a couple of verses in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, in this is the love of God. It was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son in the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So it's God who sent, but he, he sent Jesus born under a woman and born under the law. Now, the very first prophecy concerning Jesus Christ is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God was cursing the serpent and said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. I like the King James reading on that um, even better because they put in the word for bruise, crush, that Jesus is going to crush you, Satan. But that's the very first prophecy we have concerning Jesus, and it refers to the seed of the woman. And we know in Isaiah 7:14, a very famous Christmas verse that we uh, quote around Christmas time every year. Therefore, Isaiah 7:14. therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So he's born of a woman, but he's also born under the law. And Luke 2.21 tells us on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised according to the law of Moses. He was born under the law. And Jesus himself said, I, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets in Matthew 5.17, but I came to fulfill them. So he's born under the law, but Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law and the requirements of the law. And the reason of the Lord's coming was a, to redeem those who are under the law, to free us. You think, wait a minute, John, I'm not Jewish, neither am I. But I do know the bondage of the elements of the world. I understand what it means to be enslaved to sin. And that's why Jesus came, to free us from that slavery. And number two, that we were adopted as sons, or we would say as sons or daughters. This is one of the amazing things uh, in the Bible to me. Because I, I, I picture the simplicity, not easy for Christ, but we can kind of picture the simplicity of redeeming a lost world to the Lord. That's not difficult to do. But to take the redeemed world and to make them part of the family, well, that is something that is even more amazing to me. Let's look at it this way. Let's say that we want to do a mission work for the Lord for a week. We're going to go to the inner city of Chicago, and we're going to help anybody that we can find. And so in a sense, we're going to the inner city of Chicago to redeem those who are under bondage, just to help them out to do whatever we can do for them during that time. And the week is over. Do you think we would load up the buses and say, now, you know, I've had such a great time with you guys this week down here. I just want to bring you home. I want you to be part of my family. Now, I could see us going to the city and, and helping. I doubt if too many of us would bring the city back home 
with us. We would rather say, you guys stay there, and now we'll go home. We have did our part. We've done our good. I hope you're better off, but I'm going home now. I had mentioned earlier I was in Africa in February, and I was there for only 10 days in Sudan. And during those 10 days in Sudan, beans and rice was the main food that we had. You try to experiment as much as possible with the ingredients that were given to us to make the beans and rice taste better. They did have ketchup and pickles and hot sauce, peanut butter. I brought out a jar of peanut butter one morning that I brought with me, and by the afternoon, I came back for lunch, it was gone already, you know. <laughs> beans and rice, peanut butter, much better. But what I discovered, even um, our, our beverage was warm water out of the well. You know, after seven days of that, of that diet, you're just done with it. You're not done because you've got to keep eating, but you're done with it. There was a, a guy who had been there up to that point. Um, he had been there six weeks, and he's from the States. And every time we'd sit down, he'd start talking about steaks. And I said, you're just making yourself miserable because he's just dreaming about when I get back to the States. This is what I'm going to do. And this is a big boy. And uh, no doubt, that's what he did. But it was also good for me to leave that there. I mean, if it was my life, it was my life, but it's not. We went to help, we went to redeem, we could say, but then to make the people in Sudan or there in uh, Chicago, to make them part of our family, this is what Christ, God the Father, is willing to do for each of us. Not only do I want to save you from eternity in hell, God says, I want to make you part of the family. And that is amazing to me. I feel like the prodigal son. When he went and left home and spent all his inheritance, his wealth, and he was feeding pigs in the pig pen and was looking at the pea pods, which is a, a pod that grows on a tree over in that region that um, has some sense of nourishment in it, but it's not meant for. It's actually a drought food. You have nothing else, you can eat this. And he was looking at that thinking, I'm hungry, I'll eat that. And then he thought of his father's house and how the slaves there had bread to eat. He says, I'm going to go home and tell my dad, and this is what he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And nevertheless, when the prodigal came home, his father embraced him, kissed him, put clothing upon him, put a ring on his finger, and put shoes on his feet, killed the fatted calf. He had a steak. And he said, my son was dead, and he's now alive. He was lost. He's now found. Now, I feel like that prodigal, Lord, good enough just to be included in heaven and excluded from hell. That's good enough. And, and the Lord said, no, it's not. He said, I want to make you part of my family. I want to embrace you. I want to kiss you. I want to put on the clothings of the righteousness of Christ. I want to put the ring of sonship upon your finger. I want to clothe your feet with the gospel of peace and say to you, welcome home, my child. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. He wants us to be part of the family. And so much so that we get to cry out, Abba, Father. In verse 6, it says, and because... 
You are sons. God sent forth the spirit of son into your heart to cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is the Hebrew word for daddy. So in our American language, we would simply say that we would cry out, Daddy, Father. And so there is that sense of the father being a more respectful term. If my kids were to come up to me and call me father, I would think, what's up? Because they call me dad. You know, I I don't expect them to call me John, to call me daddy, although they may have done that when they were smaller. But now, as adults, they just call me dad. But for them to say father, it would really get my attention because I would think something was up. If they would come and say, dad, father, I think, well, what's wrong? You know, there's got to be something going on here. But there is this, in a sense, the Abba, the daddy, a term of endearment, closeness that you picture of my granddaughter, Mackenzie, who's uh, seven and a half now. And and uh, I'll still do it for quite a while, but she's getting bigger now. But every time she sees me, she likes to run and jump and have me lift her up in my arms. And, and they don't work as good as they used to. My back's not as good as it used to be. And, and she knows it, too. And so I have to prep for that catch every time. But it's worth it every time, too. Because one day she won't want to run and jump in my arms like that. But that is that sense of this verse. Abba, Father, draw close to the Lord. And Paul's saying, as a child, you can draw close to God. He will be your father to you. He will draw close to you. And realize that it's the Lord that causes this. In verse 6, it is the spirit of his son crying in your heart. God sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts to initiate this relationship. So it's not just us, it's God himself initiating this relationship in our life. In verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir, that we're part of the family of the Lord. In verse 8, but then indeed... When you did not know God, you served those who are by nature, not gods. So you didn't know God. It's a Greek word for know is idu. Um, it's in the past tense, and it's speaking about a time when there was no knowledge, or in a sense, it's to say that maybe you had an acquaintance, but you didn't really have an intimate knowledge of God. And so there may, may have been, yeah, I've heard the name Jesus. I've heard of a God but I don't know them. When you did not know them, you served those which by nature were not gods. I believe God has created us to worship. And I also believe that a lot of people are worshiping, although they'll say they're not. They're worshiping things which are not gods. Um, I can be driving down the road, and if I see a car in front of me with a little bunny emblem on the back of the bumper or uh, window, I immediately know that guy worships sex. If I see a nine or seven-pointed leaf, I'll say that person worships drugs, cannabis. Now, it's not just a little bunny that you would, children would do. It's a playboy bunny. You know, guys know what I was talking about. 
If it's a skull, if it's a six-point star or something like that, there's the worship of the occult. We worship, but we worship those things we do not know. And, and Paul said those things which are not even God's. So before you knew God, you worship and serve things that were not God's. But in verse 9, now after you have known God, or rather known by God, and that's a different Greek word for uh, the word know there. It's gnosko, and it means to be known or to have uh, an intimate knowledge. And it's used in both, uh, both of the, the words known in that verse, that you have known God and rather God has known you. Uh, gnosko is, is used in both of those. And it's really talking about having more of an intimate knowledge or awareness of someone. And it'd be easy for me to say it this way. I have very brief knowledge of some of you guys. And then I have a more shared knowledge, more of a relationship with others. But I can tell you this, in this room, the person I know the best, she's sitting right there. That's, it's a true gnosko, and in that sense that we have a very intimate knowledge of one another. And we know things about each other that you guys will never know. And the same thing is true for you who are married here today that there's that sense of relationship, of knowledge. But he is saying, rather, not just knowing God, having a relationship with God, but known by God. It's not amazing that God would know us and even call us by name. I would think that he could care less about me. But he doesn't. He cares so much that he sent his only begotten son and he cares for you in the same way rather known by god in second corinthians 4 6 paul wrote it this way for it is god who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ it's god who just initiated this whole thing in this relationship that we could call him abba father and then he goes on in verse 9 to say, How is it that you turned again to the weak and beggarly elements, which you desire to be in bondage again? You observe days, months, seasons, and years. And now this is specifically talking to the churches of Galatia who are being circumcised and keeping the Jewish law. He says, How can you go backwards? You're going backwards. But I look at this verse and I think of so many people that I have uh, prayed with, that I've seen them light up, turn on fire for Jesus Christ, and then they walk away and they go back to the world. And I think, what is up? Wasn't that real? Didn't God really touch their heart? And then I look at some of those lives and I think, yeah, I know it was real. I saw it. But they've returned again. They've went backwards in their relationship. They've walked away. They've become a prodigal all over again. And they're back in bondage. And God did not create us to be in the bondage, but to be free from it. In verse 11, he says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored in vain. And so Paul just saying that, you know, I, I have this fear. I don't want to see you go backwards. He wanted the believers in Galatia and the ones that he wrote to in the epistles. He wants us 
to be steadfast and to hold fast. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of our Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast. You know, one of the things that I, I, I like as being a pastor and is that when people come and go, come and go, and the Lord has allowed me to be here this long, is that there's this sense of steadfastness. That I'm not trying to be boastful in that sense. I think that one of the things that attracted me to the Calvary Chapel movement was the steadfastness of their pastors. And that brings comfort. Paul says, I don't want to labor in vain, but I want you guys. And he encourages us to be steadfast in our faith. And that's encouraging to me to know believers who are steadfast. You know, they, they've been walking in faith for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years, for 50 years. How encouraging that is to be steadfast, not to be like a yo-yo back and forth but walking securely in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But also to hold fast in Philippians 2.16, holding fast to the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, hold fast to what the Lord has given you. Be steadfast in those things. And then finally in verse 12, brethren, I urge you, Become like me, before I became like you. You have not injured me at all. I think Paul is just simply saying that, you know what? I have went through that whole Judaism thing. Paul was a Jew. When he argues that point in some of the other epistles, in Philippians especially, he says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. There weren't too many Jews who could outclass me as far as keeping the law. He said, according to the law, I was perfect. If you want to follow the rules, I was a rule follower. And then Paul said, I count all those things as rubbish. It actually means donkey dung, waste. It's just stuff you'd shovel out and throw away. Compared to the excellency of the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. All those tedious law-keeping stuff, all the rituals that I went through, he said, I became like you. I'm free from that. Now he said, become like me and be free once again. I don't know where you're at today in your relationship with the Lord, but perhaps the Lord is saying to you, welcome home. I'm Abba. I'm Father. And I want you to be part of my family. Perhaps you've been trying to uh, dot all your I's and dash all your T's and, and trying to just be the best person that you can be according to the rules of church or this earth, this country that we live in, and you find no peace and you feel that bondage. And Jesus said, I've come to set you free. The Lord said in, uh, I think it's John eight thirty two, if the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And that freedom is available for each of us here today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to look through it this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand that freedom that's in Christ, that if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Lord, we don't have to be held in the bondage of the past.
But Lord, you are offering before us through faith in Jesus Christ, freedom from the bondage of sin. And I pray, Lord, that there are those who cry out for that freedom today. Perhaps, Lord, someone needs to cry out, Abba, Father. Perhaps, Lord, they've only had this relationship with you that you're God, you're the big guy that's going to rule and judge, but you're not daddy. And Lord, you're saying, yeah, I am. And I want to be close. I want to draw close to you here today. So call me Abba, Father. Call me Daddy, Daddy. Or finally, Lord, perhaps, Lord, there is just that desire to understand that the relationship that we have with you, that we are those who have been drawn back into the weak and beggarly elements of the world. We've went backwards, and maybe you're saying, come home. Welcome home. Whatever work you desire to do, Lord, we pray that you would work in our midst this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let God.